My first question to Giselle was an obvious one. As a coordinating hub, heavily focused on in-person interaction and matching people to volunteer opportunities, what has been the most interesting or surprising adjustment to the way in which VCTC has had to adapt its operations to serving and protecting its clients? Um, well, at the Volunteer Centre of Trinidad and Tobago, um, our mandate clearly says we're about connecting people. So we connect people to impactful causes that support the sustainable development goals. That means we are a people-centered organization. And the interesting thing about COVID-19 is that due to mandatory and absolutely necessary social distancing um, requirements, it's really turned on its head our capacity to meaningfully continue to engage with our stakeholders in person, right? Um, So I think what what that has meant is that we've had to become very innovative about how we continue to um, engage, connect, and also revise as well our communication with our beneficiaries and key mm-hmm. stakeholders at this time. So how has this innovation translated into action? It's very much positioned around virtual volunteering because our message is quite precise and clear in the sense of the need has deepened due to COVID-19. COVID-19 has um, had shocks, global shocks, in terms of economically, um, socially, um, psychologically, and so forth, um, I think touching everyone. We forecast that those needs will continue to deepen as the days roll on. So the call to action is really about asking persons to get creative, even within the current restrictions of social distancing, about how we can continue to reach out and serve those, those most vulnerable. Dimension of that deepened need for volunteers reminded me about the responses to a 2016 online VCTT survey on the state of volunteering in Trinidad and Tobago, in which respondents were asked why they volunteered and what, for them, were the benefits of volunteering. What about shifts in the attitudes among volunteers within the pandemic context? with NGOs being called upon to take their usual places at the front lines of the response, has there been an increase in the number of volunteers raising their hands to give up their time and energy? So when any sort of, um, let's qualify it as disaster, Mm -hmm. um, takes place, there's usually a peak or surge in terms of persons wanting to give back and help out, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not locally, that's globally. Sure. Um, What... I think most organizations are balancing at this time, which is why you would you would notice that there are very specific organizations because of the, their mandate that are actively engaging and deploying volunteers. Due to the nature of this um, of COVID nineteen, um, it is uh, it, it, it has become really important for health and safety of volunteers to take priority over mm-hmm. uh, directly engaging volunteers in outreach. Right. So um, persons absolutely have been reaching out saying, how can I help out? Now, going back to your point in terms of what that, um, 
survey. Um, now it was an online survey. It wasn't a national survey. So it was an okay. online survey okay. would um, communicate to us is more so in terms of trends, right? right? Trends. trends and indicators as opposed to a sort of national state of affairs, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But what it did, what it did reveal um, is that persons absolutely do want to give back. Mm-hmm. And one of the barriers, well, two of the key barriers to to volunteering that were noted in that survey is one, persons feel as if they don't have access to the information, so how to volunteer. Right. And second, time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think within the current context of COVID-19 and even going into post-COVID-19 planning for volunteerism, those two um indicators will continue to be very important. Um, We will need as volunteer-involving organizations to to ensure we have effective means of communicating with our volunteers to identify to persons the safe um, ways in which they can continue to serve um, vulnerable populations, identifying those opportunities, training persons where required to to have capacity to be able to serve in those um to serve those communities and also as well being very creative about what it means in terms of required time. The post-COVID-19 mandate for volunteer-involving organizations focuses therefore on communicating effectively with volunteers as well as keeping them safe. I asked Giselle to give us a bit more insight into her initial thoughts as to what could possibly be the new normal for volunteering. How should organizations manage unexpected influx of persons wanting to help out? There are two types of volunteering. You have formal volunteering, which is, of course, persons um, attached to organizations mm-hmm. um, and and so forth. And you have informal volunteering, right? Mm-hmm. Which is where you have persons. Um, it's, it's what we call episodic or ad hoc volunteering, stepping up in times like this and saying, here what um, um, I would like to give some time. Right. Um, informal volunteering has always outweighed formal volunteering. I think it's something like 30% formal volunteering to 70% globally. Mm-hmm. And on a Caribbean level and on a local level, those stats more or less line up. Right. Right. In times like this, informal volunteers again peak, um, but we need it's it's an aspect that really needs to be carefully maneuvered and managed mm-hmm. because it's one thing for persons to be um, really excited about serving and helping others, but do they have the capacity to do so? Yes. And um, of course, we need to ensure that liabilities and risks are well managed so that we do not put volunteers um, volunteers at risk. Not just volunteers, but also organizations and the work that we do. Given this new normal, what does the Volunteer Centre of Trinidad and Tobago envision as its role in preparing volunteers and preparing organizations that use volunteers to contribute to creating a better society that not just recognizes the importance of volunteerism, but also leverages its benefits. Volunteering is really about um, us enabling persons to understand that everyone, every single person has a role and can play a role in terms of building the type of society that I believe intrinsically we know is possible. <laughs> That's volunteering. And I think I think very often we use, um, it, the word can seem very technical to a lot of persons, but at the core, 
it's really about breaking it, breaking it down to every single person understanding that I can play a role in terms of a better tomorrow or change or, you know, all of these um, great terms that we use. Yeah. I want to, I want to extend that thought into talking about the sustainable development goals. Um, I think, and, and I mean, in terms of a lot of the discussions I've been having with colleagues, um, friends, and so forth, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, have never been more important than they are to us now, right? Um, the SDG stands upon five key pillars, people, planet, prosperity, peace, and partnership, those five key pillars are so intrinsic to how we plan for post-COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, in addition to which, the sus- achieving the sustainable development goals would not be possible without effectively, and I intentionally use the word effectively, engaging people in that process. And by people, we're not just talking about um um, on a government level, private sector, we're talking about general placements in community. So with, with that being said, um, VCTT's role going forward, I think it's going to, um, we believe our mandate is clear and absolutely relevant to post-COVID-19 um, Trinidad and Tobago and the region in terms of connecting people to causes that support the Sustainable Development Goals. I think what we will be doing, and we have begun already, is assessing our interventions and revising or re-strategizing around them as far as feasible. Um, because, of course, as well, Each individual organization is also managing capacities. So not only are individuals in survival mode, organizations are also in survival mode trying to figure out how do we continue to pay staff and whatnot, right? Which again increases the need for persons stepping up to support these organizations to ensure that the causes and the mandates that a lot of these organizations are serving don't suffer. So, in order to carry out its role in building back a better society and a region, one wonders how VCTT is preparing itself within a post-COVID-19 context. I asked Giselle about this, and she explains how VCTT has reorganized and repositioned its mandate to continue to serve its clients in this new context, using the example of the organization's many-to-one mentorship intervention. Specifically in 2019, roll forward into 2020, the mandate of the organization has shifted from not just um, matching skilled volunteers to organizations, but VCTT curating and custom building interventions, high impact interventions that we mobilize persons around. So for example, 2020 to 2021, a strategic um, plan Um, mandates three core interventions VCTT will be focusing on. Mm -hmm. The first one is a a um, many-to-one mentorship intervention Uh that is currently underway. The second one is the expansion of community gardens in East Port of Spain. Mm -hmm. And the third one is the establishment of a regional platform for connecting people to, again, impactful courses. Um, I'll, I'll extend that into the example of our mentorship intervention that is currently underway. 
that mentorship intervention speaks to connecting young persons from four secondary schools in Trinidad and Tobago to a family of mentors. It's actually um, inspired by a model in Baltimore called Thread. Right, where they develop this concept of family mentorship, connecting a group of persons based on specific needs to two young persons. Um, that was well underway. COVID-19 happened after a series of discussions and review in terms of our new normal, right? That's the term we've been yeah. using. This intervention has now turned into a full-on e-mentorship intervention so the, the, the thing about it is young persons are now at home, mm-hmm. right? Um, based on local measures, we estimate they would be at home until about September or so, until otherwise, at right? Matters, right? Um, with that being said, um, our organization had to assess different things. We had to assess um, not engaging with uh, those we said we would serve, which is 30 young persons from four secondary schools, or... Um, and understanding the risks associated with that, because it means that many young persons, those 30 included, maybe maybe without effective support systems. And I again use the word effective, effective support systems for a very yeah. long time, right? Because and again, these are vulnerable young persons in vulnerable homes coming from vulnerable communities, and we understand what that context yes. means. Our organization decided that um, we couldn't sit on that. Um, So we had to um, shape, retool our model to speak to, to ensure we could continue to engage with these young persons and provide meaningful support. For the past few years, one of BCTT's major projects has been organizing the Caribbean Volunteer Exchange Programme facilitating volunteer exchanges between Caribbean islands. COVID-19 has effectively made these types of in-country visits impossible for the foreseeable future. I asked Giselle about how BCTT plans to adjust and also about her thoughts on how the enabling environment for regional volunteerism has been affected. She shares with us how BCTT is leveraging an international partnership and the Good Deeds Day platform to support the organization's efforts to build a regional platform for coordinating volunteer efforts. So in terms of the Caribbean Volunteer Exchange, so again, the Caribbean Volunteer Exchange was essentially created to educate persons about opportunities within the region. Um, that volunteers can get involved in and support is very much an educational tool. It's also about helping to under, helping uh, helping to um, explore the question of what it means to be a Caribbean citizen, right? With that being said, um, last year um, we did have our Caribbean Volunteer Exchange intervention in Suriname. It was very, um, it was successful, enriching, and all of that. But as we move forward and um, sustainability and impact being a um, two ever present. Um, indicators for success that we are pursuing as an organization that has evolved into the priority for VCTT for the next two years in terms of regionally really being around setting up a proper infrastructure um, for mobilizing and coordinating volunteers regionally through the establishment of a regional platform. 
that regional platform is being supported through um, a truly great partnership that VCDT cemented at the World Volunteer Conference. I think it may have been in 2017 or 2016 um, in Mexico where we connected with a beautiful organization, Ruach Tova. They're actually based in Israel. And since then, um, VCTT has supported with the mobilization of Good Deeds Day across the Caribbean region mm-hmm. annually. Um, this year, Good Deeds Day was affected because of COVID-19 and um, a lot of efforts on Good Deeds Day end um, retooled around, again, promoting the new ways persons can continue to support in this time. And I mean, there was a lot of synergy around that. With that being said, um, Good Deeds Day has actually um, provided support to five partners, VCTT included, um, for us to be able to serve serve our communities in this time. But of course, they have asked that specific focus, um, specific focus is on direct outreach in terms of providing things like food, um, protective gear and, and so forth in this time. It is, of course, comforting to hear that organizations are definitely in response mode during this time. But what of the medium at long term? I asked Giselle to share her ideas on reconceptualizing the type of support she thinks civil society organizations should seek out to sustain and strengthen their efforts in the pandemic context. While there are immediate needs of today, we also need to be planning for the medium term and also yes. the long term. And all of those are avenues where volunteers can really come in and meaningfully support. And I think what's interesting is we need to revise um, the concept of how we engage, let's say, um, private sector. So I think very often, sometimes, um, as volunteer-involving organizations, we may approach from a funding mm-hmm. perspective, and that's important to take away the importance of that, right? But I think also private sector has a wealth of skilled persons um, who can meaningfully contribute to helping organizations build structural capacity, um, improve their frameworks, develop policies or whatnot. And now is the time, I think, where we where we need to activate around what we the possibilities that we yes. know exist. Because truthfully, I mean, we, 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 I think we have a, a fair, we, we know what needs to be done. Um, NGOs, community-based organizations have been doing phenomenal work over years that has been actively contributing to transforming our spaces positively. That is a fact. Um, but of course, um, capacity to activate around some of what mm-hmm. we know can be done has always been a, a, limitation, a limiting factor. Um, but I think COVID-19 is asking us to raise the bar and as we step forward, be very clear about what our high payoff activi- um, activities and actions are and really, really drive aggressively behind those. 